I do want to welcome you again to Warren Alliance Church, and as we gather today, um, we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 5. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been really picking out some specific texts from uh, the Mission 119 reading. Uh, if, you, if you don't have a way that you're systematically walking through God's Word and reading God's Word, uh, that information is on our website. You can go to that. Uh, there's an app that you can download. Uh, I know we have a, hand, a number of people do, been walking through that. Uh, I want to say a word to those of you that have maybe been doing it, maybe you got stuck somewhere in Leviticus. Keep pressing on. Uh, it's okay. Uh, if you're a little behind, just keep keep pressing on. Uh, it's good good material. Uh, again, the, the Mission 119 is basically about, usually about 10 minutes or so of reading, listening to the scripture, uh, and then about 10 to 10 to 12, 13 minutes of Pastor John Soper giving uh, commentary uh, on what we read. Uh, so I definitely encourage you to check that out. But this week, uh, we I had a number of the Psalms to pick, and the one that I picked uh, for this week is Psalm 5. And some of you know this uh, text probably pretty well, uh, but if you want to turn there, you're welcome to. You know, I, I remember um, back in high school, I was driving, my sister was home from college, I had her little Plymouth Horizon uh, driving home uh, uh, from de- from town. We lived 10 minutes out of town. And I was driving home. The snow was coming down hard. I had made it through all the worst turns. If you've ever been between Clearfield and Shawville, you know there's a lot of bendy turns and it's downhill. It's not really the safest road to be on during a snowstorm. I had made it through all the worst spots. Uh, and then lost control in a spot that I still don't understand how I lost control. Um, but it was a patch of ice, and I did my, uh, I would say Dukes of Hazard or chips, like on the side, uh, on the side for a while, and then it landed upside down. And every episode of chips was running through my head, and I knew I had to get out of the car quickly. Because um, you know every car in, on TV, if there's an accident, the car blows up at some point. So I was like rushing to get out of the car, the only injury I only injury I had in that in that was uh, the scrapes on my leg. But um, one of the things that I look back to that in that moment because the, the road follows the west branch of the Susquehanna River, and there was a little field in between, but not that big of a field. So it was like I had enough speed going that I thought, as I'm on my side, not knowing what is going to happen, there was a moment of fear there, and I remember just crying out. Uh, those are those prayers you don't put a lot of thought into. <laughs> Jesus, help me. I think was the general gist of my prayer at that time. And uh, we walked through, or got through that. And, you know, as I was thinking about that, and when I think about those type of prayers, that it's just guttural. Like, you, you just, it's, it, there's, an ex- there's an urgency to it. Uh, sometimes we just express those prayers. But I also realize that there are times where we face pain and tragedy and some families in our church Right now, we're experiencing that. Uh, that you don't really know what words to say. You don't know what words to pray. And I know as a pastor and as a chaplain walking with people through a crisis, that's one of the best lessons I ever learned was sometimes the best thing I can do is just keep my mouth shut and just be present with that person and encourage them and love them. Um, because they often we, we're tempted to want to have to say something to give a response, and typically one of the best things in the midst of an Im- immediate crisis is just be present and love on the people that are hurting. Um, 
You know, as, I, as we look at this psalm today, this psalm qualifies as what is called a lament. And we've talked about this before, that the, throughout the book of, or in the book of Lamentations, as well as throughout the psalms, you have a lot of laments and their prayers that really it's like someone just being very honest with God, expressing their heartache, their frustration, their questions, and saying, God, I don't understand what I'm going through. What, what is going on? And, and there you see some disillusionment, you see pain, you see frustration, and all these feelings. And then the, typically at the end of that lament, there's a statement along the lines of, but I'm going to trust in you, Lord. Or, or some statement of praise. Like it's, and what I love about the, lament, the laments, I've often pointed people to the laments in, when they're going through difficult times because too often those of us that have grown up in the church, we're afraid to be honest about what we're thinking. We're afraid to be honest about the questions that we have. We're afraid to be honest about the pain that we're walking through. And when I read through the laments of Scripture, it reminds me, if David can pray laments, I can pray a lament. If David has questions wondering how long, oh God, am I going to have to suffer and, and be persecuted and all the things that David expresses through the Psalms attributed to him throughout the Psalms. If David can pray those type of honest prayers and, and be honest about the struggles, the faith struggles and the pain, um, it's something that I believe we can have that type of freedom. The reality is, you may not realize this, and this is not a huge theological lesson, God already knows what you're thinking. God already knows what you're feeling. And, and part of prayer is just expressing to him what's already going on in our heart and our lives. And so today, as we look at Psalm 5, it's important that we look at this and remi- remember, this is a lament. Uh, and what's unique about this lament, it, this is the first of a, a number of laments in the Psalms where you not only have the traditional lament of an honest prayer or talking about the pain and the heartache and the questions, but David is pointing, the psalm is attributed to David, David is pointing out this group of people that are persecuting him. And, and so you also have this theme of, of David contrasting himself with these, what he describes as evil or unrighteous or wicked that, are, that seem to be prospering even though they're attacking him and, he, and he's walking with God in righteousness. So you have those themes going on. And what we're going to do, we're going we're to look at verses 1 through 8. Um, the whole chapter goes back and forth between uh, a focus on God in prayer and, and contrasting David and, and what it means to trust God's steadfast love and a walk in relationship with God compared to those that are not able to stand in God's presence because they're not willing to, to submit to God and, and his, his righteousness. But we're going to read through verse 8. I, I think it really sums up the, the focus of the text. Uh, and we're just going to walk through verse by verse and share some thoughts today, because I, the reality is, some of, I realize there are people that in the church right now that are hurting, and there are other, there are some of you, I don't know what the story is and what you're facing right now. Um, or you may be thinking, maybe life is good right now, but you're thinking of a time in your life that you were going through a difficult moment. And, and you may find this helpful to be reminded uh, that when we walk through pain, it's okay to express our frustration, ex- express our doubts, express our pain to God. He already knows. And the laments give us that reminder that when we can pray honestly and then lead us to a point where we remember, but I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to see the Lord in the land of the living. You know, all those different ways that the laments are finished. 
uh, throughout the scriptures. But let's go ahead and look at verses 1 through 3. It says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. And watch. You know, that what the first key thing we see here is that, you know, often when we're going through a difficult time, we want to make sure someone's listening. And do and you ever have that experience where you're with, someone, you're with a friend or family member and they're just horrible at listening? Is that someone you want to talk to? No, I mean, that's the, the first thing you want to do in caring for someone is to listen to them. Listen to what they're going through. And, and in our prayer, it's the same thing. We want, we want to know that God is listening, that, that God is attentive. And so the phrase is used here in David's prayer, give ear to my words, O Lord. David is asking God to listen, and he goes beyond that, not just so that God would hear his words, but then he goes on to say, consider my groaning, give attention to the sound of my cry. He's, he's asking God to hear his case. David is preparing to bring something to God and he wants to not only know that God is listening, but that God is going to be paying attention. You know, one of the consistent themes I see when when we are hurting, this is a human experience, I I think we often, when we go through pain, that often theologically we will ask the question, God, where are you? In the midst of this pain, in the midst of this heartache, where are you? Did I just die? Okay, it did just cut out for a second. In my experience, that's a question that, one, we need to be honest to ask because David prays those type of prayers. But in my experience, it's always easier to look back and see where God was. There's times in my life that I look back and I, and I wondered where God was in the midst of the deeper pain that when I look back, I can see that God was there sustaining me. He was strengthening me. And some of you have experienced that. But David is, David is setting this psalm out, this prayer out, and, and asking God to listen, and asking God to consider his groaning. To the sound of my cry. This idea that groaning is uh, literally a just inarticulate attempts to vocalize the situation. It's like, it's, you ever have those moments where you just can't even put words? And, and, you're, and, and it's literally just kind of a, a groaning it's, it's the idea of silent words expressed from our heart. When we look at this passage in light of the New Testament, we're reminded of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8.26. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know... Hey, I'm, gonna, I'm not sure what's going on with my mic. I'm just going switch, to switch to this. Where is John? Okay, just switch to this mic. The Apostle Paul in this passage is, is highlighting the, the issue that, now let me read it again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's a very similar language here in, in this, this idea of, of asking God to consider my groaning, giving attention to the sound of my heart cry, is, is this idea that if, if we've come to faith in Jesus, and, and, and God's spirit lives inside of us that we have the promise that even in those moments where we don't have words, God's spirit is interceding for us. 
For when we do not know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. David is, is calling for God's attention. He's, he's asking God to consider his pain and, and consider his case. And he's crying out to God. And, and he continues in this, and there's some other key phrases I just want us to highlight and reflect on. He says, give attention to the sound of my cry, my king and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for, for you and watch. You know, anytime you're reading God's word, if you see repetition, it's good to kind of highlight those things. And there's a phrase there that's, high, that's repeated twice, in the morning. You know, years ago when Jim uh, down at Meeting God in Missions, are where we often send folks down to the Dominican, uh, if some of you I know heard Jim McDonald, the founder of MGM, and in addition to calling people to mission, Jim was really adamant about one thing about the importance of getting into God's word and having your prayer time, your quiet time, early in the morning. And so that was the first. You could see the people that were the morning people. They got excited when the bell went off or the, uh, the alarm went off early to get everyone up to, to go out to the, do your own quiet devotions before you would gather. Uh, and then you would see the people struggling out that, that you knew were not the morning people. But, you know, what I found was while there are some of us that are wired that we might... Uh, thrive in our quiet time and our time in God's word and prayer early in the morning. Some people need to do it a little later. Something that Jim shared that I thought is, is a, an important reminder that even if you can't do your full extensive quiet time and devotional time, it's important that somehow we let God get our attention first. And, and he talked about a soldier who would never go out into the battlefield without putting his armor on. And, and if we aren't intentional about going to the Lord in prayer and getting our eyes fixed on him at the beginning of our day, it's going to impact the rest of our day. And I, I know I've shared because I typically like to work out before I do my full study of scripture in the morning and my prayer time. I've begun the practice of just a centering prayer, a simple prayer, or focus on a verse first thing in the morning. Just having something to get my eyes fixed on God and, and his plan for me for the day. So we need to take that heed of, of in the morning you will hear my voice. In the morning I'll prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. We also see the phrase of who we see who David is addressing. And remember, this is King David. He's probably, he's been anointed. He's not king yet, most likely. We don't know exactly the specific situation. I, my gut tells me this is at some point where David is running for his life, hiding out in the caves, because Saul, who's still king, is trying to kill him. Uh, that's a very possible scenario when this psalm may have been written. But David understand who, understands who the true king is. And he, and he calls out to God. He says, give attention to the sound of my cry, my king and my God. He says, to you do I pray. He said, and, and so he remember, he, he's, he's remembering in this moment who it is that he's approaching. And, and there's confidence in that. Whatever we might be facing, when we know that we're calling our God and King, the God who created all things, and our King, the one who is in control and reigns over all things, that is, can give us peace in the most difficult of circumstances to know God is in control, even in those moments that we don't understand why, God is still in control and he will be working. 
and we can trust him. There's one last phrase in those first few verses I want to highlight. Verse 3, he says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you, and I watch. So and there's, there, there's some discussion whether or not this is specifically focused on prayer or some gathering of believers to, to worship together in the mornings. But what we see in that word watch is that whether we're, we're going into our worship or whether we're, t- we're preparing our words to go into this time of prayer is that when we pray, we wait with expectation. We, we may not know when God is going to answer or how God is going to answer that prayer, but we pray with expectation. We watch and we wait. And, and that is where our faith kicks in, to where we don't necessarily understand, but we can pray, we can bring our needs to God, and we can sit back and watch and see what God is going to do. And again, for me, I find it's much easier to look back and see how God answers those prayers with a little bit of time and perspective than in the midst of the pain. And that is normal, and I, th- I think it's okay. That's why I think it's so important to keep notes of your prayer journal, like in a prayer journal or some way of keeping track of the things you pray about because you can look back and see how God has answered prayer. You know, these first few verses remind us, again, this is introducing this lament. These first few words are reminding us that God is attentive to our pain. He hears our words. He's attentive to our pain. And and we're reminded, if you keep reading through the Psalms, you see the promises that, that for those that are hurting, you have the promises that God is close to the brokenhearted, that God is with us. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil for, for the Lord, our shepherd. He comforts us. He guides us. That's a theme you see consistently, no matter what a person might be facing, is that we can trust that God will be with us even in the midst of the difficulties. Verses 4 through 6, and if you're like me, sometimes when you get to these passages, you don't really know how, to, how it all fits in. But verse 4, it says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Most of the commentaries talk about these verses and, and saying this is David lifting up those who are persecuting him. He's, he's highlighting that. And he's going to God in prayer. He's, he's presenting his case. And, and instead of just pointing out these, what these people are doing to David, in this moment, he's, he's not only highlighting this group of people that he describes as wicked or evil, or those who are boastful, uh, those who are bloodthirsty and deceitful, he not only lifts this group up, but, but he highlights in his prayer, he's reminding God of his character. And, and typically, not that God needs to be reminded of his character, but you see those type of prayers so often in the scripture, of God being reminded in the prayer of his character, and, and specifically, he's being reminded of, of God's righteousness. And, and so David's like, he's highlighting God's righteousness in, in contrast to those that are persecuting him. And you see that contrast throughout this whole psalm. And, and, and so David, that's, this is at the heart of his pain, at the heart of his struggle, is he is innocent. He's being attacked by this group of people who seem to be getting away 
with treating David poorly. David reminds them, God, of his character, and, and, it, and that sets up uh, what follows. And, and you, you look at these verses, and there's, there's psalms like this throughout the book of Psalm. And, and you know, when I read this, sometimes I raise, it raises the question in my mind, is David being self-righteous here? I mean, it sounds a little bit like he's being self-righteous. He's pointing out to all these bad guys, but that's not David. But that's really not where David is coming from. And, and, and what I love in this, this verse, he makes it very clear. That David understands that he, he's not, he doesn't earn the right to be able to stand in God's presence, to be able to speak to God in prayer, to be able to worship based on anything of his own righteousness. We've been talking about that as we've been working through Romans the last few weeks. That we're saved by faith. Our righteousness, the book in Isaiah, it says our, right, our best, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Even when we get it all right and we, and we never get it all right, it falls short. David understands this perspective of the need for God's grace in his life. In Psalm 5, 7 through 8 says, but I, again, if you're learning how to do study or Bible study, anytime you see the word but, that's a contrast. So he's, David's contrasting his, himself to this group of people that he's just described. He says, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. There's three things that I, we're going to wrap up with today in looking at this that I think not only do we have those first few verses to remind us that God is attentive to a prayer, he's listening, he hears the cry of our hearts. But in these verses, you see the things that David depends on when he goes to the Lord in prayer. And the first is that he depends upon God's steadfast love. You know, too often I hear people say, well, the Old Testament is about judgment, the New Testament is about grace. And, and I, I heard a professor years ago say, you know, the dominant theme, you'll see justice more in the Old Testament, but there's an underlying current of grace that you see. In the New Testament, the grace is front and center, but there's still that underlying theme of God's justice. They're both there. And David, in saying that he's depending upon God's steadfast love, God's chesed, I've shared with some of you, those of you that have heard me preach many times, you've heard me talk about this. This is my favorite Hebrew word. I don't typically give Hebrew lessons, but it's my favorite Hebrew word because it reminds us of the greatness of God's mercy, his grace, his goodness in our lives. The reality is, is that the translations don't fully capture what this word of steadfast love really is. It could be translated mercy. The old King James translated it loving kindness. Mercy, grace, loving kindness, goodness. Literally, in relation to Israel, it was used often to describe God's covenant faithfulness. That even though Israel might fall short and be unfaithful, God would always be faithful. David understands that it's through the abundance of God's steadfast love, his mercy, his grace, his loving kindness, his goodness, that, that David can enter into God's house and bow down and worship. In light of the New Testament, in light of what Jesus has done for us, we know, and we've been talking about this these last few weeks as we've worked through Romans, 
that we approach God in prayer, we approach God in worship, not based on anything we have done, but by putting our faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us. It's his love, his steadfast love, his grace and his mercy in our life. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Later in Hebrews, that's summarized that we can, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not based on what we have done, but based on putting our faith and trust in what Jesus has done for us. We need to depend. Entering into times of prayer is not only remembering that God will listen, he'll hear our hearts cry, but we enter into times of prayer, we enter into worship knowing that we can depend upon God's steadfast love and mercy. There's another phrase here in in the verse that says that I will bow down toward your holy temple in fear of you. And so at one part, David is depending upon God's steadfast love, but he's also approaching God in prayer and in worship with a fear and a reverence of who it is that he is approaching. And you know, I think often we, we lose sight sometimes of in, in our attempt to, to bring God to, to, and focus on the personal nature of God and his friendship and his desire for us to walk in relationship with him, sometimes we minimize God's power, his greatness, and, and kind of lose sight of the fact that we're approaching the God of the universe when we pray. And, and there needs to be a fear and a reverence in how we approach God. And I, I've shared before, shared many times that I think C.S. Lewis got it exactly right in the Chronicles of the Narnia. The Chronicles of Narnia, as he was describing Aslan, who represents Christ in those books. You remember the question is the kids asked, was Aslan safe? And multiple times this conversation happens throughout the whole series. Aslan's not safe, but he's good. That the, the good is God's steadfast love. The not safe means he's not a tame lion. He's, that, that there's, there's a power there. there there's a who God is that we should be approaching him with reverence and, and, and fear and, and understanding who it is that we are approaching. David understood those two themes and tension as he, as he approached God in prayer, knowing that God was listening. God was hearing his cry. He could depend upon God's steadfast love, but he still approached God in fear and reverence. But then David also demonstrates in these, ver- these, these verses, in verse 8, he says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. David seems to understand that while he's contrasting himself to these people that he describes as wicked or deceitful, these persecutors, David also understands the need to look at his own heart. And that's really a central part of the Christian message is that we, we need to not only be looking, and, and too often I think we fall into this trap of looking at the evil out there, and we don't take the time to look at the own evil and deceitfulness and the, and the things in our own heart and our own life. And, and, and so David in this moment is, is not only pleading his case before God, but then he's asking God to lead him in righteousness. 
He's seeking to be led in righteousness, and, and he's, he's inviting God to lead him in the right way. These words echo what David writes in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. David said in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David didn't just stop and pointing out the issues with those that were persecuting him. David understood the, the importance of having his own heart bare before God. For God to not only put his finger on anything in his life that needed to change, but then to be willing to be led in the, in the way of righteousness. To let God lead him into the way everlasting. Today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's heavy on your heart. I know what some of our folks are going through right now. I just want to encourage you today to remember that we have a God who is listening. We have a God who hears the cry of our hearts and the groanings of our hearts, even when we don't have the words to say. And we not only have the Spirit, we didn't mention this, but we not only have the Spirit interceding for us, but we all, Christ is also at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That's a pretty good team of people praying for us. The Spirit interceding on our behalf. Jesus, our Savior, interceding on our behalf. Jesus being present with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He'll be with us in the midst of our pain. But then we can go to God not only knowing he's listening, he hears our hearts cry, but we can, tr we can approach God with confidence knowing his steadfast love, his mercy, and his grace toward us, but we still approach God with reverence and fear and surrender our lives to let God lead us in righteousness. Let God point out anything in our life to search us, to know us, to know our heart, and to, to test us and try us and put his finger on anything in our life that needs to change. Being led in righteousness means that if God puts his finger on something, we're willing to let go and let God work in that area of our life. And that's a challenge as we walk in holiness and walk in sanctification in the Christian life is that it's not just about talking to God and, and growing in relationship with him, but as we walk with him, our lives are changed as we submit our lives to him. Today, we're going to close with a song, and again, just another reminder that we have the gift of being able to bring our needs to God in prayer. We have the gift of, of knowing that he is with us, and, and he's going to, he hears us. He knows our pain. He knows our cries. But the song reminds us of the fact that we look forward to the day coming that Jesus is going to come make all things new. There is a day in Revelation 21 that we know that there is a day coming that we no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. And so we live in this in-between of what Jesus did on the cross for us gives us the hope of a future that, that, that all the pain and all the sorrow, all the heartache will be addressed. All things will be made new. But in the meantime, we have the promise of God's presence with us, to walk with us no matter what it is we face. He's there with us, he's listening, and he cares. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for Lord, just the promises of your word. Lord, I thank you for the promises of your word and, and to know that we can trust you. 
that we can bring our cares and concerns to you, that you're listening, that you care. Lord, that your spirit intercedes for us and that, Jesus, you're, you're not only with us and walking with us and strengthening us, but, Lord, you're interceding for us as well. Lord, help us to walk with you each day and, and just trust your steadfast love. Help us to walk in, in, in a healthy fear and reverence of who you are, but know that you are God and you are king. And Lord, no matter what we face, we can trust that you are in control, that you are going to be with us. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, not, that not only for that reminder for each of us today, but I pray for those specifically today that are hurting, that don't understand the whys, Lord, I pray that in the midst of the questions, in the midst of the pain, that you would just show yourself in very real and powerful ways that people would know that you're with them, that they'd know your presence, that they know you were listening, that you care, and Lord, that you're guiding them through whatever waters they are navigating. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.